Welcome to Stand Alone. I'm Sabrina Lloyd, founder and CEO of Lloyd Agencies, a multi-million dollar company that ranks as one of the most successful in the insurance industry. My passion is empowering people to become the leaders that they were meant to be. With each episode, I'll teach you how to go from ordinary to extraordinary, how to think like no one else, how to stand alone. It's time we create massive success for ourselves. Okay, so we are ready to rock and roll. We have a really, really special guest with us today. And, you know, when and to introduce you, it's such an honor and a privilege to have you here, Stephen. Oh, thank you. you know, when you think about what it takes to become a master, you know, this is what a lot of people are aiming for today. And I love that you're focused on becoming a master in life and business, because I believe those things are intertwined and they're connected, right? It's very rare that someone can last in business mm-hmm. if their life is not in order. And so, you know, the reality of business is that it's a tough game. Like it's an all out war. And if you're not prepared for it, it will drop you to your knees, right? Which maybe some of us need, we need to pray more, right? But in terms of the survival rate of businesses, you know, it's a 4% survival rate. And so for you to have and be the founder and CEO of six successful multi-million dollar businesses i think this just speaks volumes of who you are as a person and we want to unravel that because for a lot of us when we're starting in our journey which i love your company is called you know the journey principles you know for us to break down like how to start and how to keep on moving because a lot of us we get stuck And if you can explain that whole principle of being in a rut and those Mm -hmm. behavioral patterns that we just keep on repeating over and over again, it almost feels like we're spinning our wheels. But what you specialize in is moving that person from Mm -hmm. being stuck to unstoppable. So I really am so honored to have you because we are you know, it's, it's March madness right now. We're in, (laughs) we're in lion mode, warrior mode right now. And we want to hear from someone who is a savage and a warrior in business, which is what you are. And if you can share with us, like how you went from being in the gutter to generating multi-million dollar revenues, you know, when you shared your story about going into business Mm -hmm. and just that whole principle of being resourceful. I I think this speaks volumes about who you are as a person, because a lot of us, when we get into business, you know, we're almost trained today to think like, I need this. I need help. I need this. I I need money. I need capital. Mm -hmm. And really often those aren't the people that make it right. You might even start off well, but you can't endure. So, you know, I welcome you to our standalone episode where we go from being stuck to unstoppable. But if you could share with everyone that initial story of why it's so important to be resourceful and why the small beginnings are Mm -hmm. necessary for you to turn into that business warrior that looks like you walk on water right now. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me as well, Sabrina. I really appreciate it. You know, it's when you go to look at business and life in general, people like to segment them into silos. And as you were uh, mentioning when you first got started is there, there really is no separation. Uh, You take someone who's going through a divorce or some kind of illness, they're going to suffer performance issues at work. Meanwhile, you have a performance suffering at work, whether it be your, maybe you're the business owner, maybe you're a C-suite professional, whatever, you're also going to suffer at home. Maybe you're overworking, things of that nature. Uh, For me, it was very uh, different. I I like to think that I'm an example of someone that like when these situations, like if I can do it with all the stupid, stupid mistakes I made with lots of zeros along the way, that anybody can do it as long as they're willing to put in the effort and the work. You know, for me, I started out in a, a kind of a broken home situation, raised by a grandmother, forced to kind of like literally kind of man up at nine years old, which sounds kind of crazy to most people. Cause I'm like, I say like, like position and think about a nine year old in your house. Mm-hmm. 
right? Maybe your cousin, right. maybe your child, maybe your, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like picture a nine-year-old. I had a GI Joe in one hand and a transformer in the other hand playing a battle Royale when my grandmother comes to me and says, I have to step up and help her because she got diagnosed that same day with cancer, which unfortunately later took her life. But it was the first wake up call that I had that resilience was going to be necessary to actually create a, an environment where I could be fertile in growth or fertile and grow. But I wasn't fully adapted to that until long after several, almost a couple decades went by. My first mentor, Steve Myrick, had given me this opportunity to start a company. He, he bought me all the tools, all the equipment, everything that went with it. And as a result, I did like most people that had never been trained to handle money. 19, 20 years old, never been trained to handle money, all of a sudden, you know, go from making basically nothing to well into the six-figure category working for him. So what did I do? I do what most people go do, which is stupid. I went and bought Spend all the toys. All. <laughs> I spent every penny of it, including got all the friends who would help me do it. Oh, um, man. Yeah, inclu including my love life at the time. And you know, that's why I got adopted into the, the theology of toxic relationships was a whole nother show, but uh, was able to, at that point in time, I kind of lost my way. I went from uh, this humble kid, this, this kind of this ride or die kind of warrior kind of thing. Cause my grandfather has always said, if you're going to be successful, you have to be one part lion and one part lamb. And you have to be wise enough to know the difference. What yeah. turned out, I wasn't wise enough the first go around. So I proceeded to lose everything that I'd worked so hard for. I broke a relationship with a man that gave me a, gave me a first shot, if you will. And within about 12 months, I found myself not only without anything, but sleeping under the stars, scrounging around for food and trying to just figure out what happened. It was actually in that moment that I actually heard Steve talk to me kind of in my head about all the other coaching types of things that he mentioned. And that set me on a different course. And I, I love you share this story about you sitting on an overpass mm -hmm. and this whole concept of this is life for a lot of people, like yep. where we are right now and where we want to be, there is a gap. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that gap, it's very scary. So some right. people, the hardest thing is for them to get moving in the beginning, but for a lot of people too, like they're in the middle mm -hmm. and they're stuck in the middle. And yep. then, you know, kind of like we need to call a friend, we need mm -hmm. to have a voice of reason that really just speaks some words that can help to guide yeah. us to continue our journey. If you could speak on that, those powerful words that were spoken yeah. to you, this too shall pass, yeah. you know, yeah. and what's in ahead of you is going to be great. If mm -hmm. you can, if you can speak on why those words changed your life, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> what you're alluding to, in fact, you'll, you'll notice now we just recently, recently went through a rebrand. So our logo went from being a railroad track to a bridge just for that very reason is because in order for me to get to where I'm at now, I had to cross the bridge that I almost took my life on. Yes. And I had a number of failures. One of the, which is one of the things I was leading up to originally with the homelessness and things of that nature, I tried to join the military. They wouldn't even have me and everybody could join the military in that day and time. Like they were just like taking people left and right. And I had tied my identity to anything and everything that I thought was going to be external and was going to somehow bring me meaning only to find out that that wasn't where you find it at. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I'm on a, I, I leave the MEP station here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I start, I literally, I'm, I barely make it out of the front door. I'm weeping like a little baby. And I don't know if I walk for 10 minutes or an hour because the bridge is only maybe a half a block away. But I just remember being a complete whirlwind. As I got to the top of the bridge, essentially, I kind of took off my shoes and I sat on the rail. And I had like these two voices essentially talking to me. One was yelling at me about all the failures that I had and all how I didn't measure up and my self-worth issues and just a total garbage. Meanwhile, it's almost like I had this little kind little whisper that was like, he's lying. He's lying. And that was like, that was a battle. I mean, you guys have seen this before with Looney Tunes, right? You got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the, I was living that moment. Wow. Right. The little, the little voice on my right hand shoulder actually said, well, if you're going, if you, if you're considering walking away from this earth, you should at least call and tell people that you love them. And it just so happens my grandmother had given me a, no, a broken Nokia 5160 phone with a cracked screen. That's how I remember it. Like it was yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Prepaid phone. So I would call her when I officially landed at boot camp. was that, well, that was the plan. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the phone. I started dialing numbers. I dialed the first number and I got like a busy signal. This is back before we had like these really cool iPhone devices here that, you know, has all kinds of technology. 
you know, I was calling literal answering machine messages. Got through four phone calls, and every time I either got dis, I either I couldn't get connected, or I got somebody's voicemail or answering machine. And this time, this voice would yell, "I told you so! I told you so! I told you so!" And it wasn't until the last phone call that I actually picked up, where I my one of my childhood girlfriend's mothers, um, who uh, who I dated her daughter when she was like fifteen, I was sixteen. Not that that's important, but that's that time frame. Right. Um, her nickname was Mama Wama because for some reason she referred to me as her little sugar wooga. So I named her Mama Wama a long time ago. Mm-hmm. She answers the phone and within an instant, I mean, an instant, she knew what was going on. Talk about mother's intuition, man. She was like, where are you at? I'm coming to get you right now. I'm coming to get you. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. You're not fine. I'm coming to get you. No, I'm fine. Really? No, you're not fine. That went on for either an hour or 10 minutes because it's such a blur. I don't remember how long it went on for, but there was a massive debate going on. Come to find out, not really come to find out, but they had this interesting epiphany a number of years later that she was literally the only person, the only person in my life that I would have kept my word to in that moment. Of all the people that I called, was going to call before, right? She was the only one, if you will, that's, that I would actually obey that word. And why that's important is because she made me promise her that I would give her a phone call at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. That's, that was her word. You give me a phone call at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm like, you know what? Fine. Yes, I'll do it. She goes, before you go, before you hang up, I want you to repeat something after me. I said, okay. She said, this too shall pass. And what comes next will be greater. And I'm like, well, this too shall pass. And what comes next will be greater. She goes, say it like you mean it. <laughs> right? Mama bear came right out of there. And she's, and you know, she had me screaming at the top of my lungs. This is I don't know if she's half Tony Robbins or whatever, but you know, she's right. like totally screaming at me and uh, she had me fired up. I left that bridge. Um, I had a divine encounter a few days later while cleaning a litter box. Um, and then three days after that, I was, Steve Meyer gave me a second chance and let me start my first flagship company, building the equipment I needed out of the trash piles that is now in three States employs 400 plus people and has allowed me the opportunity to create the other organizations. So yes, audience, this too shall pass. And what comes next will be greater. I'm telling you that right now, receive it, make sure it happens. Yeah. And I love that you're successful because I love talking to people and I love it when you're growing a a massive presence on social media and you are successful. And so many people are giving out advice today and you Mm -hmm. really, they should be in the apprentice ship stage of their yeah. life not really the like you know from their mom's basement like dishing out all the advice yeah. i really really love this and i say this to encourage people mm-hmm. you know i i was talking to someone who trains special operator forces and what he said is one of the principles is just make it to lunch you yeah. know make it to lunch and sometimes when we're stuck in a rut we're thinking so far down and it actually prevents us from moving forward and it collapses. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like the burden is so heavy on our shoulders. And whenever we have a great task in front of us, like we have to keep moving forward. What would you say? And I I love how you skimmed over, like I had a divine, uh, (laughs) but that's something deep. And I would, it was a a big moment in my life. Yeah. But we we take an entire show to dig into it too deep, but for sure, but the role of faith that, yeah. you know, that plays in you just having that belief. So you have that steadfastness to keep on moving. Mm-hmm. What could you give as some like wisdom to our viewers in terms of when you're in those dark moments, Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not when the light is out there, but you're in that dark place. What do you initially do to just keep and really force yourself to just get up and do it when you don't want to do it because that's where the breakthroughs happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think number step number one for me, and I think for anybody is a basic understanding that it's all a process. Yes. We like to define ourselves by the moment that we're in rather than the moments we're trying to make. And as a result, we end up leaving ourselves high and dry when we know most need our true authentic self and our identity most. You know, if you think about the bridge story and everything that led up to that, I had been living out this failure mentality. In fact, my father said this when I was a kid a long time ago. I've said this a few times on some other shows, but that he, he literally spoke this into my life and I believed it. He said, Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by. Now, here's what I would like your listeners to, to do. When he first 
went through that, I first identified that, I began to kind of reflect on that. Is this true? Where does this come from? Because people that I see that give up right before they're about to get their breakthrough, in almost every single circumstance, they are believing some type of lie just like that. So I would go back through your family tree, so to speak. I would go back through your, where you've been, people that, because it, it comes down to either lies you believe about yourself that you're telling yourself because you're your own worst critic, right? Or it comes down to lies that people are telling you that are simply not true that you're choosing to believe. Right. You set your standards, you set your identity, you set your core and you set your focus. You can either live by other people's expectations or you can build your own. You just have to make sure you choose the difference. So by understanding there's a process, there's a process to mastery, right? Most people don't ever get to step, well, I take that back. About 70% of the people don't get to step one. Step one in the mastery process is having an awakening moment. My bridge and my litter box moments were awakening moments. They literally shook me loose, right? You have to have that kind of moment and you don't have to have a divine experience necessarily to ignite that. You just have to become more aware of kind of where you're at and what it is you want. And then the next step is to actually actually have a level of awareness, a self-awareness approach. What's your emotional intelligence like? What are your beliefs? Um, what is your personality style? What are your value systems? What do you stand for? What do you stand against? What are the types of things that you can leverage for your strengths versus your struggles? How can you overcome your blind spots? Maybe backfill them all together. Right after that, you move into the mentorship phase. That's where people, that's when you start finding people like yourself who are out there trying to give and trying to serve and trying to help. Right. That's when you gravitate towards that mentor mentor. I mean, the old analogy is what when the when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Right. The right teacher. <laughs> exactly. Because you yeah. can follow a slew of other people. Right. When it comes down to that mentorship level, you want to make sure you got the right one. But after that, now you got to implement. Now you got to put in the practice. And I'm sorry. You've got to put in the work, just like going to the gym or eating right or any number of things. Print inside of every single principle that successful people follow is a corresponding promise. Okay. This so is good. This is really good. So if I want a financial breakthrough, then I'm going to have to live by principles, for example, that create the financial breakthrough. For example, get out of debt, financial principle, live on less than I, or live on, spend less than you make. That's a principle. Mm -hmm. Test before you invest is a principle. And then after you do those through the implementation process, time and time and time again, now what happens is you are now beginning to live those promises, which comes in the form of maturity. Now the very thing that used to scare you to death now makes you confident because you're like, not only did I make it through it, this, this, this thing made me stronger. It made me like, wow. After that, you've put into practice so much, you've got so much maturity down, the next step is gonna be the emergence phase. You're going to um, have an emergence, a, a sense of, for example, in the businesses that I have, there will be a certain, even if, even if we have a setback, God willing, I'll have to have any more, but business is cyclical, so you gotta make sure you understand the season that you're in and plan accordingly. But in the event that I had to go backwards, I know I've built it once and I know I can build it again. And then it comes down to choice. You see what I'm saying? So that's what that emergence kind of place has. Now it's become so habitual. It becomes a new force of habit that you, you, you can't go back. You can't go back. You've, you, you have cut the tie, right? And after emergence comes mastery. And when you get to the mastery stage, like you were mentioning a minute ago, now you're able to teach. You see, people don't understand that the world needs less gurus and more guides. And rather than seeking fame and fortune and all the cameras and all that kind of stuff, all that, all that stuff is totally irrelevant, totally irrelevant. It is not going to make you happy unless you're so, unless your insecurities are outweighing your actual opportunities. And I, I love what you talk about with guides because it links into what, you know, when people are searching for their purpose, people mm -hmm. get so bogged down with yep. like, well, what is my purpose? What is my calling? And it literally stops people dead in their tracks. But you said something about purpose where mm -hmm. one of the purposes that we mm -hmm. have is to serve the person you used to be. And mm -hmm. I want for everyone to see how powerful this is, because when you overcome What's mm -hmm. happening to you in that moment, and you start asking that question prematurely, like, 
you know, what is my calling? What is my gift in that moment? It is just to overcome that problem so that you can turn around and have a higher purpose of serving the person you used to be because we can help people through things when we've been through it better. So I love this. If you could touch on those three purposes, because in a world where it's just so motivation, 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 I think we need to calm down and just you know, learn, learn the principles. So if you can share that, those three purposes, that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you how I discovered this. You know, I just kind of laid out the mastery process. There's a, there's a seven state. There's, I call them this in our vernacular, we call them the seven levels of life mastery. Like they're, you're you're climbing stairs. They're kind of like escalators, meaning once you get to one level, you get to start over again and kind of keep going. So it's kind of like you never really finished, but in doing so, I had this interesting epiphany. I understood that one of the reasons why my heart is pure and why I sincerely want to help people get their own breakthroughs is because essentially I remember what it's like to be the kid searching for a breakthrough and not able to find a mentor or not be able to find a process or a roadmap to do so, which I think a lot of people find themselves in. Okay. In that I've also discovered that there are really what I refer to as the three greatest principles or not greatest principles, but the three um, greatest purposes in life. There are three magnificent purposes in life. The first one is serving the person used to be. It's the one that I do everything for, right? It's me trying to help the homeless kid. It's me trying to help the, the kid growing up from a broken home. It's me trying to help the person who, who's their, their, self, their insecurities are so big that they've forgotten who they could be rather, and they're so focused on who they are, right? That's the person I used to be. And if I can set that person free earlier, now I've created real lasting change. Not to mention... As it relates to that specific individual, I have a unique skill set now of empathy and understanding where it allows me to offer grace and mercy to say, hey, dummy, yes, you did walk off a job. And yes, you totally messed up everything you have, but that's not your identity. That's an event. Right. Put the event down and pick up a new understanding. Right. The second one is actually serving the person you once loved which could be something like a a grandmother, a spouse. It could be a number of different people. I know a lot of people, there's an evangelist named Todd White, for example. I'm convinced that his entire, this massive ministry, which he's developed, which is massive, right? I'm talking worldwide, kind of of massive, is all coming from his inability to actually talk to his friend and receive his friend into faith before his friend passed away. Wow. Right? The next one is also serving the person that um, essentially that used to, uh, gosh, they used to miss, so to thing. So you got the person you used to be, the person you once loved, and the person you couldn't save. Right. Okay. The person you couldn't save is, if you think about it, Susan B. Coleman, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. All of these massive nonprofits come out of, came out of something specific. In fact, all three of them share the same common denominator, pain. Right. And in many cases, immense pain. So you're absolutely right. Yes. Step one is to make it through so you can make it on. You just got to take the time to do it. Right. There, there is an element of stop giving yourself excuses. Stop allowing blame and shame and all that kind of condemnation stuff to hold you back. If you spend all your time telling yourself you can't do it, you never will. Why not spend all your time talking to yourself in a mirror? And then I've done this. I have literally talked to myself, looked myself dead in the eyes and be like, you can do this. You can do this. Because I've discovered that the greatest legacy that you can ever create is the one that outlives you. And the legacy that outlives Steve and Susan, a lot of my mentors along the way is me. No one had ever heard about Steve and Susan until I stepped foot on a stage and started writing books. And now I can't stop talking about them because what they, what they taught me transformed my life. Yeah, the, the role of mentorship, and I mean, I don't mean like people just saying like, let me be your mentor, and you don't know their life experiences, mm-hmm. yep. you know, there's nothing really that you can attach to, that you can relate to them with, but in our business, you know, what's so amazing about the industry that I'm a part of is that there's such a multitude of amazing mentors, and mm-hmm. in our organization, you know, yeah. this is what leadership is, it's yeah. not just making money, the way that you advance yourself is through advancing other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Our customers are the same way. We don't win if our customer doesn't win. 
And so in terms of just that role of mentorship in our lives and just having that mentality of, you know, having those right words spoken to you Mm -hmm. at the right time, you know, that will happen for you. And so, yes, it's so awesome to pursue this because, you know, success doesn't happen by accident. This is what a lot of people just don't understand. Mm -hmm. I say to everyone, success is rare. When you don't, don't get so looped up into what you see on social media or what you see out there, there are a lot more people struggling than there are people living the life. And so when you meet someone who is successful and they are rare in your life, you know, take care of them and, and want to be mentored by them. What could you share in terms of advice for how to receive mentorship? Because a lot of people are pursuing it but they don't know how to receive mentorship. What could you share on that? Well, I think the the first step is obviously notice that you have two ears Uh and you can totally disagree with your mentor, but what I would recommend is you marinate on what they've said because they have a greater perspective. They're probably watching your behaviors interact with people. They're probably watching your behaviors as you interact with process. They're probably watching your natural born tendencies to either be over defensive or too much in the weeds. You know what I'm saying? They're they're watching from a different perspective. And as a result, they may have, and I would say they do have a greater perspective on what's actually holding you back. There's a reason why we call blind spots, blind spots. It's because you can't see them. And the only way you can see them is from an outside perspective. And I think the other thing too, is to make sure that you stop glorifying the success and instead start recognizing and even glorifying, if you will, the effort, the grind, if you will, right? One of the biggest things that I see people chase is the physical success. And there's nothing wrong with having things, but I'm a firm believer that if you get impact laid down first, income always follows. And that's just a matter of Say serving. That again, if you get impact first, and, and get be impact there. first. So, mm-hmm. in any business, your ability to lead well directly directly is connected to your overall income. Your ability to sell well connected to your income. Your ability to make customers happy because they had a great customer journey, connected connected to income. Your ability to actually steward financial wealth connected to income. The positioning has got to be different. Yes. Right. Guru, and this is one of the telltale signs of a quote unquote guru. Gurus are always flashing stuff. When you look at them on Instagram or Facebook or Clubhouse, wherever you're hanging out the most, they're always either bragging about what they have or making sure they've got pictures and video of it. My perspective on that is they want you to notice this thing so you don't notice this thing. They want you to look outside rather than actually understand what's in their head and their heart. And this is what you need to know when you're looking at a mentor to make sure they're reliable and trustworthy. Is this head thing and this heart thing? Do they have character? Do they have integrity? Are they loyal, right? Do they have honesty? You have to look at those types of things in order to choose a correct mentor. And I think if you have those pieces, character, integrity, honesty, all that, if you got that, then you need to open your ears and listen. Because if you do that, you learn it. I love this because in, in our business, you know, a a massive part of it is recruiting. And so in order to attract people in today's world, it is such a a thing material world, but what's, what's so important. And I always tell people this, like you have to, you have to marry style Mm -hmm. and substance, right? Because if you have the nice things, but you don't have the substance, you're not a good person, then you make those things look bad. And then people start attaching like Mm -hmm. negative, you know, ideas and ideologies to people with nice things. And Mm -hmm. so what's so funny is I'll walk out of a nice car, but on on my shirt, will say, be careful. I'm liable to just start talking about Jesus at any moment. (laughs) People are like, you know, I want to associate good stuff with good stuff. And, you know, this brings me to something I'm really excited about, which is alignment, right? If you Mm -hmm. think about the role of mentorship and you talk about a mentorship matrix because mm-hmm. we're bombarded yep. by mentors. If you could break that down to people. So maybe they don't have someone one-on-one in their life, but mm-hmm. just going over that mentorship matrix and yep. then just sharing what your mentor initially shared with you about doing work with excellence, because yep. you were kind of the worker that was just doing it for the sake of doing it until he 
made you pause. And say, pause is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could share that with us, that would be awesome. So that we're we're doing our work with excellence. Yeah. So the mentorship matrix actually came from an interesting place. Um, it's uh, first of all, it came some of the insights came from a friend, and again, every person around you can teach you something. If, you, if you're open and perspective and you have an open perspective to it. But it really came down to a question I was getting all the time through Instagram, through podcasts, through all kinds of different media source is I live by myself. I'm on an island by myself. There's nobody around me. No, there's nobody lives here. This is, the, this is what I'm getting. I mean, it's essentially I'm, I'm embellishing it a little bit, but you get the point. And I don't have access to mentors. I'm like, that's an excuse. You message me through a smart device. I can tell. I can tell that you're on Instagram and you have access to Instagram, which means you have a smart device, a phone, a tablet, a computer, or something. You message me on YouTube, phone, tablet, computer, or something. And I got, I wasn't frustrated with the question as much as I was. I was a little um, discouraged by the fact that people didn't realize really what they had at their fingertips. So in today's world, to me, there's, there's a mentorship matrix. It's a, it's a set of quadrants. And each of these different areas can be different people at different times or different pieces of environment. So the first person that I refer to as the mentors is something called the aspirational mentor. This is somebody you're watching from afar. Okay, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, early on back in my days, it was like Dave Ramsey and John Maxwell and a lot of these other leaders that are still very well respected. But I aspired to be like them. Therefore, I watched what they were doing from afar, okay? The next one is actually going to be what's known as the historical mentor. And my, a good friend of mine named uh, Doug Stewart actually coined the phrase historical mentor. A historical mentor is somebody who's already given you the information. They just left it behind in the form of a book or a writing. In other words, they may not be walking the earth anymore. C.S. Lewis is a great example of that. Yes. Okay? The next one is actually going to be the peer-to-peer -peer mentor. That is the person that you sit down with at coffee and you're like, hey, let's have coffee. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you're, and you're brainstorming back and forth, right? It's the, it's the idea of ping pong back and forth. And the final one of the, of the group is what's known as the digital mentor. This piece of content that we, you and I are creating right now in this very moment is an example of a digital style mentorship. Because God willing, we're going to drop some nugget that somebody's going to say, I needed that nugget today. I'm going to put it in my pocket and take it home with me. Each of those areas allow you to have different access to specific different types of mentors. And some people in your life may be multiple versions of that. Maybe they've written a book. Maybe you get to be around them enough to kind of aspire to be like them, but they also have DVDs or not DVDs or we're old school now, right? That you can stream, you can stream their content or whatever that case may be. You know, problem is, is most people don't sit down and say, here's who I want to become. This is how it's going to get me to my next step. And on top of that, who can actually help me get there? And then you look at it from a modality perspective. In what way can I gain information and insight from those people at a specific time or place? Can I get it from a book? Can I get it from a peer-to-peer scenario? Can I get it from just maybe being around them, maybe at live events? And I just, I'm getting, you know, rubbing elbows. And I'm just, you know, I used to go to events all the time when I was younger and I would literally sit at people's feet like, tell me, Obi-Wan, tell me. Some people just have insights in specific areas, right? You don't take financial advice from someone who struggles financially. Right. You don't take relationship advice for somebody who unfortunately has been divorced several times. Right right? They haven't figured it out yet. Not saying that they're ill or mean or nothing like that. They're just, they're on their own journey. They got stuff to figure out just like you accept it move on. And if you use that process, it's pretty easy to find that you can probably back your way into two to three of that, that mentorship matrix at any point in time, which takes something powerful away from you. Excuses. Stop telling yourself you don't have what you don't need. I started my first company with stuff out of the trash piles. I started getting mentorship from other people that I was just surrounded by. Yes, I, I love this because it wasn't even, you know, your mentor came from you just having a father who mm -hmm. instilled massive amounts of work ethic into you, mm -hmm. kept you working. And then your father's boss yeah. started to, to mentor you, which is so great. And I, I love the part where 
you know, a lot of times when we're going through the motions of work, we don't understand that like one day it will all come together, right? If you're prepared. And I just Mm -hmm. want everyone to understand this, like preparation is so key because had you not been prepared for that moment in your life, you may not be where you are right now. And that moment was when someone else didn't show up. (laughs) And I love this story because, you know, what Steven had was an opportunity. You had to win back your mentor because you let Mm -hmm. him down. And thank goodness your mentor had the courage to keep believing in you. And that's the sign of of a good mentor. You know, it doesn't mean that one day they could be like, listen, this relationship (laughs) has to cease to exist but they, they're there for you for the long haul. So don't mm-hmm. abuse it. But if you do make a mistake, yeah, that mentor yeah. will come back and look at you and say, okay, but the good thing that you did is you never asked for anything except for opportunity. Yep. You asked for a chance. You didn't go to him and ask for money or you know materials. You said, if these two or this crew doesn't show mm-hmm. up for work, could I just take over this job and start, creating these homes and you didn't have any supplies. You didn't have any materials. (laughs) And your father actually got upset and said, listen, don't embarrass me right now. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So if you could speak on that, like the role of opportunity in our life, not, and this goes back to the resourcefulness, right? Mm -hmm. Not looking to have something, but looking for an opportunity. I think this is what America is all about. Yeah. You know, it provides us with opportunity and those who get it, they get it and yeah. they flourish. So if you could share about, you had to be prepared though. You couldn't just show up. You started picking up, you know, wood pieces and start yeah. building scaffolding. So in that moment, when those people didn't show up, you were ready to take their life. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was itching to go. What, for, I think for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I knew I let my guy down. Yeah. Like I knew he tried to hook me up and he totally set me up. I totally screwed the pooch because of arrogance and stupidity and just being young and dumb. Uh, and, you know, hindsight being 2020, would I change anything? No. Mm-hmm. Because without that, that pain point, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have actually gotten the perspective that later became everything that we're now getting to kind of witness and see. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So essentially this guy, uh, Steve Myrick had sold everything that he got me and given it to somebody else. And I'd never done the epiphany. So you taught me something today about they didn't show up. I'm like, you know what? They didn't show up. That's that's pretty profound. Always show up. people. (laughs) Always because someone else will. I got to have to start using that moving forward. That was actually brilliant. Loved it. Um, Yeah. But so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Steve Myrick, I knocked on his window. He rolled his window down. I'm like literally a week back on the framing crew. Like just trying to get a $10 an hour wage, just trying to just kind of like get myself back there. He, roll, he rolls down the window. He said, what can I do you for? Because that's how we talk in the South, right? Country boy. And I said, well, you know, what's, you know, I said, well, I, you know, these guys, I overheard them saying they're not coming back because you said they, they said you didn't pay them. And of course I knew better. This guy paid everybody all the time. And um, sure enough, he's like, how are you going to do that? I'm like, you ain't got no, and this, you ain't, you ain't got no tools. You got no equipment. You got no money and you got no people. And I said, if you'll just give me the second chance, I'll figure it out. And so many times I've learned that opportunities, when opportunities come, the, the, in fact, the biggest opportunities I've ever had in my life, I technically wasn't quote unquote prepared for other than to accept it. And then have a whatever it takes mentality to begin to create momentum to build it. Most people don't understand the power of creating momentum day after day, steady, steady nelly, so to speak, right? You're, you're going, you're building, you're building, you're building. And they don't understand the weight of what happens when you create momentum. And as a result, he did give me the second chance. And yes, I got to the job site at 6 a.m. I'm sitting on the curb waiting in my cutoff jeans, sitting there. He comes rolling around. I'm like, hey, can I go yet? He's like, it's not nine o'clock yet. I'm like, nine o'clock. Man, it's like three hours away, right? He goes back around. I'm still sitting on the curve waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. He comes back two or three times. I'm like, hey, look, it's, it's 847. Can I go now? It's not nine o'clock yet. There will be, when you, when you set out to really harness a major opportunity, there's going to be things that kind of hold you in place a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
that acts almost like a rubber band. It's almost like it's pulling you back and you think you're going backwards. You think you're going backwards. You think you're going backwards. And all of a sudden it shoots you all forward, right? That's what momentum is really like and opportunity is like. So sure enough, at 9.03, he comes around the corner. He rolls down his window. He goes, he goes boy, what are you waiting for? I'm like, you ain't got to tell me twice. And, and I did. My, we used the scaffolding. My father and I built out of the wood piles over the weekend. And I went back to work. And that, that company is, again, that's the one that became the, the, the conduit of everything else I get to do now that employs hundreds of team members and amazing people. Now, I will say one thing really fast. I want to share this. This is, I think, pretty important. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made in building a business, here's my biggest mistake, is not building myself. What do you mean? When I first started my, the flagship that began this, of the, of the six companies that began to kind of build this momentum, I was a high school dropout, GED, quote unquote, GED graduate. I was obviously came from a homeless nature, at least early on. I had some basic shelter by the time the opportunity came but I'd been homeless for a little while. I had dyslexia. I had ADHD itself. I had all these different things that supposedly by the world's definition in theory that should say, if that guy is not going to be successful, he is destined to work at uh, somewhere else for the rest of his life. He's destined for that. So what I mean by that was when I first started building my first business, I didn't know how to lead well. I was all grit. I think there's a... Uh, there's an old analogy called pee and vinegar, so to speak, right? I, was I don't at, know this analogy. You have to share it. Okay. Well, then the analysis is somebody can be so fired up, they're full of, I'll, I'll use the word. I don't, I don't normally like to use uh, swear words, but piss and vinegar. Okay. All right. That means you're incredibly gritty, incredibly tenacious, incredibly perseverant. Like I had that stuff, mm-hmm. right? I had that work ethic. I had that grind mentality. What I didn't know how to do is translate that grind mentality into effective practical tips and strategies and tactics that other people could follow. Gotcha. So I would come in and I would lead poorly. I would lead through aggression. I would lead through fear, right? I would lead through insecurities. Now, I didn't understand that those things were actually my top three roadblocks that were holding me back from creating a scalable organization. Some people won't work with you simply because they don't like you. Hello, maybe it's time to look at you and see if there's something that can be improved upon. If you think you're, if you think you know it all, then unfortunately you're not going to have anything. You'll lose it all, like I did. The diff- the main difference between the, the the mentality I had was a selfish mentality the first time. How much can I get? What can I gain? Who who can kind of do it my way? Versus a selfless mentality, which is how much can I, how much impact can I offer? I began to see myself as an owner that was my sole purpose in owning a business was to create opportunities for my family, for my community, and for my team. Once I understood that, once I understood that, everything changed. Yeah, this is so powerful because, you know, one of the things that really allows you to get to a higher level is when you start to scale. And instead Mm -hmm. of, instead of just being in this mentality of like work and produce, work and produce, but how do you multiply yourself? And, you know, just the whole importance of having a team Mm -hmm. and the most successful teams are people that aren't necessarily like you. They add (laughs) to you. They're aligned in your, in your principles and your mission and your value. And, but they're completely different in their skill sets, what they bring to the table. And it takes a special leader to acknowledge this so that you don't get frustrated when people aren't necessarily doing exactly what you would want them to do. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is I have people on my team, they do things better than me. (laughs) And then all of us together, we're dangerous, you know? And so I love you sharing this because There's no way you can get to this level if you're doing this all yourself. And so, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you are a good master copy and you can't just think, well, I'm not good at this. Let me find someone who's good at this. Because if you're not bringing a hundred percent of you and you're saying, well, I'll bring 50 and you bring 50, that's not what business is. It's like, I got my hundred, you got your hundred, you got your hundred and together we're going to make this uh, explode. And so I love that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the whole reason I'm even able to be on the show with you right now and on the Facebook live stream and everything is because I've got fantastic people that absolutely do everything better than I originally did it. 
right? Yeah. I, I, I do have the unique perspective in having done every little thing in the business to get it going, but yes. they do it so much better than I do. And I'm able to be on this call with you right now because they're running the business. Same here. Right? And it's powerful. If, yeah. I mean, if you don't let it go, then you're create all you're doing is creating a job with a bigger paycheck for yourself. You get all the stress, all the sleepless nights, all the problems that come with it, rather than really learning what it takes to become an amazing leader. And, and I'm still working on that myself. Like I'm still working on becoming an amazing leader, but also being able to then take that same leadership style and be able to teach that to other people that then teach them how to teach other people. Right. Discipline creates direction, direct direction, removes confusion, removal of confusion creates progress and progress is terrible. When you understand those concepts, you're able to break things down in such a way that you can scale. Otherwise you're just creating a job for yourself. It just so happens you get to be your own boss, good or bad. Right. And then, you know, you really feed your own happiness and your mm -hmm. people want to be led by someone who's yeah. ultimately happy with their life, who enjoys what they do instead of just, you know, a tyrant. I do believe there's a time and a season in business to turn mm -hmm. that tyrant on, yeah. you know, but then there's a time and a season for you guys to connect and to bond and, you know, to, to be there as a unit together. So, you know, the final question I could talk to you forever. I just want to be ultra respectful of your time. Sure. But, you know, standalone for me is something that really, really matters. Because when, when you think about the world today, there's a lot of noise. There's a mm -hmm. lot of people giving their opinions, their advice. Yeah. And for me, one of the great benefits that I've been able to have for myself is just really extreme focus. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to quiet noise. I'm able to not pay attention to things that could like easily distract. I do see this as a major issue for people, especially when you have something that you're looking to accomplish. And so, you know, just being able to cultivate a spirit of a mm -hmm. person who can, you know, do what they need to do when they need to do it. It's, it's massively important for your success. And I just want to say like, you have really, you've stood alone. And I think that's remarkable. And, you know, the world is a better place because of you, because look oh, at all the lies you. that you have impacted. And now you're a mentor to many people, which is so incredible. And so the last question I really want to ask is, you know, what will the world miss when you are no longer here? Like, have you stood alone so that you are rare and that you are uncommon instead of just blending in to be like someone else, you know, what have you carved out for yourself that the world will miss when you're not here anymore? I think above all, I hope they miss my heart, my sincerity, my genuineness behind what I do, how I do it and why I do it. You know, we, I want to go back to, you know, at the very beginning of the show, we talked a little bit about that one of the greatest purposes of life is serving the person you used to be. Mm -hmm. When I'm creating email copy, when I'm creating a website, when I'm creating a video, when I am um, mentoring someone one-on-one, -on -one, whether it be a professional athlete or a CEO or somebody who's working over at Wendy's, I don't care, right? I want them to know that I genuinely cared about them and genuinely cared about where they were going and how they were going to get there. And the only way to, that I know to do that is to be as transparent and vulnerable as possible with my own mistakes and shortcomings along the way, because I find that that's where connection is built. Yes. My understanding is people don't really care about all the stuff you have. They don't even care about how much stuff you know. They care about whether or not you, they feel like you care about them. Right. And that's, that's what they seen by you. Right. Exactly. You know, I, in fact, I would actually say there, there are really four great needs. I know Maslow has his hierarchy and I think mine kind of blend in there a little bit. But I've discovered there are four there are four behaviors or there's four triggering things that cause people to take action, good or bad. And I refer to them as the four needs to be seen, to be heard, to be valued and be appreciated. Everything we do in our professional career, everything we do in our love life, everything that we do in raising kids or everything that we do in the community, all of that at some level is getting fed into one of those four needs. Right. So if you understand that, then you understand how to position that so you can be the greatest person, greatest version of yourself to act in accordance with service. And with service comes impact and with impact always comes income. It's, 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 it's the way it really works. 
There's right. no such thing as a rocket ship to the sun. Like it doesn't work unless you're Elon Musk, right? He might have a rocket ship literally to the sun. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, it's going to be a process. Understand that it's a process. Quit trying to shortcome it. Because you're going to miss out on the most valuable piece that you have to leave behind in the world, which is the, in, the sincerity of the intention of the heart that you put on display. I want people to just, uh, when, I'm, when I'm gone, I hope I have a massive amount of content that can continue to bless people for years after I'm dead, right? That's what I call building a legacy that outlives you. But more importantly, I want them to say, here's, here's a guy that actually cared. Like he wasn't, I have... I don't, I got, I have nice stuff, but we don't put pictures of it up. I don't need to. Like my identity is not in crap. Like my identity is, can I help you? Can I help you? Are you willing to let me teach you? You know, and for people that want to learn, I share. For people that don't want to learn, I say, okay, there's another, there's another Steven over there that wants to learn or Sarah or Michelle or Danny. And I gravitate towards that direction. I'm not going to focus on trying to like, look, if you do this principle, it'll pay off. My son was that 3 a.m. this morning. I caught him playing video games. Like, what are you doing, dude? You're 19 years old. Like you're so, you got college. Like, come on, man. You know, that's called distraction. There's nothing. There's no greater killer to momentum than distraction. Yes. You pull out a pen and a pad and actually list out the things that you are wasting your time. You will find on average but that on average from time you're 16 years old to the time you're in your 50s, the average person wastes three to five hours of productive time a day. Oh my gosh. What if you committed to yourself for 12 months, 12 months to not waste a single minute. If you're not eating and sleeping, you're growing. Now growing can be, I'm actually applying something to make it better or growing can actually be, I'm learning something to make it better. But you're not watching TV, you're not playing video games, you're not scrolling on your phone for endless hours a day, you're not getting into what, I, what people like to say, well, I heard through the grapevine. No, grapevine's another word for gossip. Like that, that stuff is not going to help you. Disengage with the distractions, pick up yeah. the opportunities, make something beautiful happen. I love this, you know, how we become dangerous, how we go from just ordinary. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm an ordinary person too. Yeah. The, the reality is, is that even Elon Musk, he's, he came yep. to the United States as an ordinary guy saying like, man, what can I do? Yep. And he's shown the world what he could do. Mm -hmm. Right. And now he's extraordinary. And so I just, I really believe this is in all of us, but again, it's just getting clear on those goals and then making sure that we go at it like a warrior. You've got to fight for it, right? No, absolutely. Whatever you believe in is worth absolutely. fighting for. So thank you for your time. Thank you no for problem. your experiences of life. Um, it'll be a very, very happy day when we can look back at all the bad things that happened to us mm -hmm. and say, you know, I'm glad that happened to us because it carved out the person that I am. So right. I'm so grateful to have met you and had this opportunity to have this conversation and share it with everyone. I get to talk to some phenomenal people. So I'm so glad that we get to share it and make it public because someone listening today we drop something for someone to have a massive change in their life. And then we can follow it up with making sure that they're following up. That's right. right. So, That's right. Get them. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you again. God bless you and, and have an awesome, awesome day. Okay. Likewise. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to Stand Alone. If you like what you hear, I'd love if you leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me at I am Sabrina Lloyd or at Lloyd Agencies on Facebook and Instagram.